Cofield and Company, live from the Thomas and Mack. We are live at the Thomas and Mack, back here. Rebels back for the first time in forever, right? NFR comes into town, takes over the arena, big success. Uh, Rebels hit the road. They also played at Mandalay Bay. Got a couple of wins there, so they're feeling good about themselves, and uh, they should. They should. Uh, we'll get to game preview in the 5 o'clock hour, and then 6.30, running Rebel warm-up with John Sandler, Curtis Terry. A reminder, I will be on that broadcast a little bit, but the game's also televised, so I don't want to pull audience away from ESPN Las Vegas, but it's actually on your view tonight as they take on Omaha. UNLV's taking on Omaha, so that's uh, 10-14 with the HD, 14, standard Mavericks. depth. Yes, yes. So we have a special guest to open the show. Ari, give me the uh, beginning of the show. Let's fire it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So Marcus Arroyo is here, football coach at UNLV. Willie is here. Willie's bouncing off the walls because he was covering the Super Bowl stuff today. And it's actually where I want to start. Before we get to your program and announcing all those commits today and what's going to happen with the rest of the class, uh, you were talking, Coach, about just where Vegas is right now and what a cool place it is to work and coach. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where we started to imagine it when we first – did this uh, a while back right outside of the Rose Bowl in, in ni- after 19. And uh, to get here and to see it uh, unfold in front of us and to get our hands on it and see the things that are tangibly coming into play um, everywhere. I mean, our program, but, I mean, holistically, the whole city, man. I mean, to, get, to have a pro football team get here, to have the Super Bowl get announced, to have Pro Bowl, I mean, all the stuff that's happening – I mean, there's not a hotter place to be in the country um, for, for anybody, especially if you're in sports. I mean, that, that's what we do. That's what, that's what I do every day. But um, I, I, I can't imagine anybody who's interested in, in, in stuff like that to not be – to understand how, how fast and how sweet this place is right now. You know, and we should mention, you know, one of the storylines out there at different spots around the country, it'll go unnamed for now, um, commitment at a program, right? And coaches are like, hey, I need commitment. And it's not always just – the coach's salary it's the community and it's the buy-in and this recruiting game has changed so much that you guys have all this at your disposal but if you don't get cooperation from people around las vegas you can't bring in your potential high school and juco and transfer portal recruits and show them what you want to show them if the entire community isn't helping out yeah i mean it's absolute i mean it really is it's it's our, our world that we live in today with college football, and I'll just stick to the one we're in right now, involves the entire community, the entire alumni, the entire program, the entire city of a program to encapsulate everything these players and families need and want and are seeing at other places. If you're going to be competitive at a high level in recruiting, let alone developing, with facilities, with engagement, um, and that's not to mention right now the biggest uh, elephant in the room, NIL, is if you're going to have a chance – you have to make a commitment to what you want to get done. And here's the best news. Nowadays, it don't matter where you're at. It does not matter. Okay, look at look, probably the biggest story today. Okay, and what city that happened in and what university that happened at. Right now, big boys play if they want to play. And, uh, and you don't have to play. You don't have to be a, a, a big boy at the table like you used to be. Now you just got to show up and, and have the right uh, support and the right commitment because it is, it's a different landscape, man. If you're not ready to adapt and adjust and involve people and be aggressive and be proactive and bring these conversations to the table and get creative and involve these people and bring them to the table and show, hey, this is how it's working out, then you'll fall, be- you'll fall behind. And in a Do place you- like this, 
this this is this is this is what it's about. Do you change your mind like every recruiting cycle about what you need to be showing kids and adding things? And I mean, it must it, it's got to be fluid, right? Yeah, it, it's fluid. I don't think I think I don't think holistically you do because I think that that's the the important factors are still there. The keystones never change. The facilities, the staffing, the commitment for the program and the alumni to engage and to be able to be engaged with the player. Um, the, the, the city itself and the market value kids are looking at and what they can do life after football and who they engage with, that piece don't change much. But what changes now is the, is the things on the exterior that are legal, that are, that are non-binding, that are all those other things. If you're not tactical and you're not fluid and you're not being able to be uh, aggressive and thoughtful and how to, how to utilize some of that stuff, uh, to, to the extent, to, to the legal extent, obviously, because there's still stipulations that we can't get involved in a lot of it, um, then I, you can either fall behind or you can really make some hay. And I think the people who are being creative and trying to be tactful and, and, and proactive, I think you can really you can do some major stuff. Marcus, you got here and facilities are in place. You got a legion. Of course, COVID blindsides everybody. But I feel as if you came off a season in which the players, they, they didn't just show a competitiveness. They showed heart. They showed soul. What I was compelled with, uh, felt was compelling after every press conference that off of a losing game was how much you took it on your shoulders. I, I, I am critical of coaches that find ways to put, hey, the players got to find a way to do this, players provide, but the first things out of your mouth, most losses were, this is, this is on us to, uh, as coaches. Right. When your recruits see that or your recruiting targets see that and they see the season that this team came up of, 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 of getting two wins and, and, and everybody buying in, and everything's in place, the facilities and the Raiders, and now the Super Bowl are coming. I guess my only question is, what's left really for you to do? Because now, like you said, the biggest story out there recruiting day is kid jumping ship from Florida State to go to Jackson State. It shows that every single program in America is a viable program. This is Las Vegas, man, and we are on the map. I've been here since 1972. I never thought that I would see what I'm seeing take place in this town right now. What's left for Marcus Arroyo to do at this point? to just complete the project and just get more big-time recruits? Well, I, I think, um, first of all, I'm humbled to believe that you'd see it from the outside because that's, that's what you want to see, and I don't mean to say that in, in superficially. You need to have that at the, at the foundation of it. You need to have buy-in. You need to have a team that trusts each other. You need to have a staff that's, that has ownership in the fact that it's our job to get guys many physically and emotionally ready to go. And by no stretch of the imagination do I separate myself from any of that locker room. Because everything that's going to happen in or off that field, I'm going to have to have an impact on. And I, do, and I take that responsibility head on. And I think that if there's something good, bad, or indifferent, I've got to make sure that I point my, fingers, my finger at myself first in regards to how can I have an effect, how can I have an influence on that young man and the product that we're putting on this field. That's the first and foremost thing. The next thing about it, what's, the, what's left to do? is to make sure that the way we're going, because ha- what happens a lot, you're doing three things, and, and, and this is one of my mentors said to me best, and this, this guy's a Hall of Fame coach. He said, you're doing three things. You're putting a team together, you're keeping it together, or you're putting it back together all the time. That's all you're doing every time. So the reason I bring that up is because we're, we've started to put a team together, a culture, a, a foundation, identity. Like they, they look a certain way. They care about each other a certain way. Now I've got to keep them together. Now I've got to keep the, the, the arrow up. I've got to keep recruiting this way. I've got to keep developing guys who have ownership in the program. I've got to keep developing relationships that I'm starting to finally get out in public and, and get into the, the, the cracks of the people who really believe in this thing and they can see this moving and really let them know we're serious about this. We're not messing around. 
I want the locker room to look a certain way. I don't want the doors to be easy to go through. You're going to have to earn across that stripe. And guys inside, don't let anybody in. That type of ownership, keeping a team together, and then you know what? There's going to be some challenges. I may lose some coaches. We may lose some games. We may lose games we don't, we don't want to lose, and we got, in the, we got, we got four, six games in the fourth quarter, and we were like, don't want to lose them, but they lose. How do you keep them together after the game, and I'm in the podium, and who do I blame? There's no one to blame. It's getting better. Those three things are the only things on my, on, my, on my radar right now is how can I stay the course and elevate the process, do it the right way, and give ownership to the people who deserve it most, and that's the people who have committed themselves when it's not convenient in this city, to this program, and in that locker room. Early signing day, we're uh, breaking down some UNLV football with the coach, Marcus Arroyo, who's nice enough to join us here at the set before the running Rebels game at the Thomas and Mac. Uh, before we get to some of the individuals and then looking ahead to fill out the class, um, I asked you this about you know, 90 minutes ago, but I want the radio audience to hear. Yeah. You mentioned families, right? You mentioned the families of all these kids. Yeah. Why is that important? And, again, I'll repeat the question I, I asked you a little while ago, but um, I remember you telling me, you're like – Listen, we're, we're out there recruiting the last couple of years. One of the most important things is actually to meet the parents. And So explain to the audience why it's important to see what's around the player. Well, a little background. Most of the time when you're recruiting a kid for, let's use just the, the minute, you're usually recruiting a kid for a certain amount of time, you get a chance to meet him and meet the people around him. You get a chance to go onto campus. You get a chance to go into his, his, his high school. You get a chance to go into his world. You get a chance to go in his home. You get a chance to go meet the parents. That is a standard operation. That is a standard operation for, for an investment you're making as a program, which um, at, at, at the long list you'd have for four years of investment, right? And so someone you believe is going to elevate the process and everything you do on and off the field as a, as a university. That investment we don't take lightly. If you do take lightly, you can miss, okay? And you're going to miss – if you miss on 25 and you miss 5 or 8, the percentage of the guys you hit on isn't enough to make a difference, especially early on. So – you have to be able to check every freaking box, man. I mean, you got to know what the kid acts like, who he treats like, and you can't do that surface level. You can't do it. It's, it is really, really hard to do that in any relationship, home, business, church, or marriage. If you're going to go and make an emotional or physical investment to someone and say, I'm just going to meet and greet you for the first time, but I'm signing up for the, big, for the long haul, it don't work. So you got to meet the families. Last year, we saw no families. We set foot on no campus. We met no high school coach. We are swinging from the phones and the emails and the Zooms over and over and over, and you're just hoping when the guy steps off the plane and, and, and finally gets on your campus last year that you didn't get catfished and the guy's like uh, you know, someone else. And uh, we did, and, and knock our staff and our recruiting department did an amazing job because we had a, a really good group. We may miss. We don't know yet, but we may miss in a couple. This year, is the, it, it, it goes back to the old way of doing things. We're in homes. We're on campuses multiple times. They're, they're visiting us. They're in our campus. You get to see them around their families. How does he talk to his mom? How does he deal with his little brother? How does he deal with the waitress at the restaurant that knows he's not looking and he asks for something or she gives him something and he says thank you or doesn't say anything? Uh, I mean, if you're not paying attention to that stuff, then you're, you have a chance to miss on some things that, you, that might answer some questions you really need or – that you're like, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't really know the kid, right? I don't know the person. You're going to find that out, man. You spend enough time with people, you find out right away what they're made of. And, and that's, I, I, that's part of a process. It's a huge piece. You go back a few years when you were able to do that. Is there ever a case where you were like, ooh, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be I, with I the kid and with the parents? I don't know where you're getting at. I don't have to go back a few years. We did this year. I've dropped kids in this class because yeah. of the way they acted at some point in my interaction with them. Hands down. 
Absolutely. And I'm not going to mention names. Absolutely. It doesn't fit. It's not going to work. You don't fit us. It's too high risk. You're going to go in my locker room, and you're not going to fit, and I don't want anyone not to be able to tell you, you know what, you don't fit. It's my job. You don't fit. It's not going to work. It's the wrong time, wrong place, and and we're not doing that. I also liked what uh, you said, and we're talking to Marcus Arroyo about his football class. We'll get to the specifics here in just a couple minutes. What you said about the community, right, where this kid's going to school and what their career could be after they're done with school. How many parents ask you, because I've said for, I mean, I, you know, now I'm, I'm 50 plus, so is Willie. I look back and I'm like, man, if I had a kid who was going to play college football, one of the first things I would ask the coach is, hey, you know what, what kind of job is this guy going to get? Like, I, like, yeah, maybe it make the NFL, but I need to know that there's some kind of support system here that's going to get this kid a good job after he's done with your program. Yeah, the, the, the life, what we call a life after football question, I try to disarm as, as not disarm, I try to get to, to that as fast as I can. And the reason I say that is because the football piece and the flash and the uniforms, and the Nike and Allegiant and, and our complex, those, get, those are easy to answer. Th- those are also the answers that all my competitors are, are starting with. I don't want to start there. I want to start with life after football in Las Vegas, the people in the community, the uptick in growth, um, why, I mo- why we moved our families here, why I moved my, my kids to this community. They're not the only parents that are dropping kids off. All our staff brought all their young kids to the same city. We were recruited too. So when you think, when you put it in that, when you put it in that context for them and you say, hey, look, I believe in the market value of the people who uh, are made com- a commitment here in Vegas to make this thing happen when it's hard. Why? That says something a lot about the character of the people. That's great. I like those type of people. Those are blue-collar believers, and, and, they, and, and, and they're loyal. There's some pride in that place. Um, you got a market value that is the hot, one of the fastest-growing cities in the country. If you want a business, if you want to rub shoulders with guys who are in a million different industries, you want it from globally, not just nas- nationally. You're talking about direct flights across the globe to one city, here it is. I can show you that. We can show you the market value of what your life would be, who you can come in contact with based on the city you're in. And you can't do that everywhere. And I don't just say that. I've lived in those towns I had to, like, create opportunities. Like, this is coming soon. I mean, it's a rendering of, like, something. Like, in 10 years, there's, you know, they're, they're, they're building something over here, and you're hoping it works out, you know? Uh, one more thing on the parents' angle, because I've been dying to ask you this since probably the middle of the season. You threw this in in a uh, f- football press conference on a Monday. I-, I don't know. It was like halfway through the season. Oh, no. um, you mentioned – am I correct on this? Was your mom a butcher? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you referenced that. Why? Like, why was that significant to you when you look back? Uh, I think it's rare. It was, I didn't realize it then. Yeah. I thought everybody's mom could go back in the deli and – you know, rip up a pig or a right. cow and right. chop it up and, right. uh, and then go home and split her own wood and mow her, you know, mow her acre. I'm yeah. like, that's pretty normal where I'm from. As you get older, you realize, damn, that lady from County Cork, Ireland is a mofo. Holy cow. You know, she is a beast. And, and you really become humbled and you become thankful and grateful. And um, those are very humble beginnings. And I think that yeah. When I go back and I think about that, you're thankful you had those experiences because they're coming out now when things get tough. When, when you get put in front of a – for 20 years and put on the mic in front of press conference, things didn't go your way. How you respond, you fall to your foundation. Yep. That's it. It's an old Navy SEAL deal. You don't rise to the occasion. You sink to your foundation. That's the bottom line. Yep. I want to go back for a minute just in terms of the parents and the living room visits and so on and so forth. Through the first two years, and, and of course, as you said, she was tough with, with recruiting. 
Um, how tough has it been to sort of just let the local community know that there's got to be some patience? As you said, you were doing a rebuilding, right? You're building your own foundation. You're building your own culture. Um, Tony did the same thing, and, and Bobby did his. And But there is a lot of talent in this town that has emerged. There's a talent playing for the Houston Texans right now. There's a talent that's first team or second team all Pac-12 in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It takes time, but you can't just build that immediately and just go after the locals. You brought some in. You had a couple signed today, um, I believe, quarterback, right? Um, there have been a couple in the transfer portal. One just signed with Purdue, Bryce Hampton. He was ranked number two in Division Two with interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of you to – because that's important in making sure the community understands that you know they're out there, but, hey, have some patience – I got to do what I got to do, and we got to build within. We got to get the chemistry. We got to get mm-hmm. that character building within the locker room and build inside out. Yeah, yeah. You know that that thing is, and it's everywhere. I I, I can speak to both here, um, uh, intimately here in Vegas, as I sit here as a head coach, and I can speak to it globally as the last twenty years and and a bunch of different cities in nine states across the country. Right. I think that it's important because you want guys who are invested locally. You want you want the Jade Myers. You want the Noah McKinney's whose families are here who played high school football for that group. They have a following. They can come. There's a pride, st- there's a pride about it. Um, yeah, but that relationship is what you mentioned. Like, that takes time. Like, and, and, and right now, the first time we've had a chance, to, I had the first time I've had a chance to even meet coaches or players to come through our door here, and, you know, to come through the FFC, was this year. The first opportunity to get a summer camp, which ended up being the largest one on the West Coast, on our football field, was this year. And that's just you, you, that takes time to get to even meet people and see people and, and, and get a chance for them to meet us and see the vision. And, and you got to do it multiple times. And, it's, and, and that takes some time. And sometimes it doesn't work out. I'm not, I'm not, I, we're not going to miss on little kids and me making an excuse. What we have to understand is why here's, – here's, here's more of, I guess, a, a, an out. Why is the kid in L.A.'s favorite team – let's use an example, the Florida Gators. Why? Because right now everything is so marketable. That kid watched for some reason the Final Four when he was eight and watched Florida basketball and went, uh, I'm, driven, I, I'm drawn to Gainesville. And you're like, how is that possible? Well, because that's all he watched on his deal, and his dad was a <laughs> Florida fan. Why were the Oregon kids of recruiting in Florida Oregon fans across the country? At that time, it was really remarkable. Sometimes you run into that, like, you know what? I've just been such a fan here, or my parents are. Keeping guys locally is an important deal because their family's there, the following they got, and you want to keep them close to you and keep that, that pride about it. But that takes some time to develop, no different than anywhere else. Stick around for like 10 more. Give us a few more minutes. We'll go through some of the kids. Yeah. Sure. All right, Marcus Arroyo is here, football coach, uh, UNLV. They announced their early signing class uh, just about uh, two hours ago. We'll come back. We're live at Thomas and Mac. More football talk and, of course, a lot of running Rebel talk later on the show. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Case Keenum is going to go out and he's going to operate the offense. He's going to lean into what is the strength of this team, which is the run game, the offensive line, and the defense. I'm not going to say that the Cleveland Browns would have a better quarterback if Case Keenum has to go out there on Saturday, but I believe the Cleveland Browns would be in a better spot. I feel like Case Keenum presents a guy that they can rally around a lot more so than Baker Mayfield. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. Chris Canty, lead-in show, former NFL player. I think it's real popular right now to kind of bang on Baker Mayfield. He has tested positive for COVID. Uh, 
problem with that statement is lots of Browns have tested positive, including the second running back and much of the offensive line. So we'll see what the Raiders and Browns game looks like, and we'll get into that a little later. Uh, the game's on Saturday. Marcus Arroyo is here. Was all fired up a couple hours ago. Still fired up. Um, these signing days are, I mean, it's, there's got to be a buzz of energy because you were mentioning late into the night last night, and then everything starts coming in this morning. But, like, even last night, you're still talking to kids like, no, hold on. Let's have no. another commitment because other schools are still coming at them until the last minute. Yeah, no, you learn early in this deal, man. If, you, if you're doing it at, at, at certain places at certain times against certain people, you, you, it's not over till that ink's dry, and, uh, and 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 we've all been, we've all, if you've done this long enough, you've all, you've got horror stories of, of losing guys in the last in the midnight hour, and, and having to chase guys around, or they don't send it in. I mean, I got, we could go all day with crazy stories like that, but um, that's just how I'm wired, man. It's it's not over till it, till it's across the the machine, till it's across the the, the machine. It used to be a fax machine, till it's in your phone and it's a picture of it, and he signed it, you know, and so. Yeah, there was a couple battles there late that uh, a couple that we that we kind of let go, uh, and there were some that we had to hang on to um, and make sure that we had to go all the way to the to the finish line. And uh, we're excited about the ones we finished with today, and uh, a couple we couldn't announce um, that are former you know starters and two power five divisions that'll be here in start of spring. All right, good deal. Um, on the lines, you're clearly trying to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah McKinney, a local, is a good part of that. You know, a tackle prospect at 6'5 and, and 290. And then you also dipped into the, the JUCO ranks to get, mm-hmm. you know, big defensive linemen. Yep. You, uh, you added someone on the outside mm-hmm. in sales and then uh, also in uh, Johnson. I guess is he, he's, gonna, he's, a defense, he's a traditional defensive lineman at 6'3 and 290, right? Yeah, Darius is an inside guy. Yeah, he's going to put his hand in the, hand in the, hand in the ground and, and, and get in there and get dirty. Um, you know, an All-American D-lineman was a wrestler and – Originally out of Washington, I mean, just got, you know, all down ability and uh, strong, tough, um, athletic. You know, can can be a guy. And then who was Isaiah Sales? Because that one that one came a little bit yeah. later in the process, at least yeah. from our knowledge. Sales is a is an outside linebacker guy, but in our system, plays you know hold, still has to hold the line of scrimmage and play you know all downs in, in a pass rush and a runs and a, a run mentality too. And uh, another guy that's uh, a six three frame, you know, two hundred and forty pounds on a. You know, it hasn't been through our off season yet, but uh, a guy who's played really, really successful already. Got a mature body. Uh, you know, he's the ranked number one defensive end in JUCO um, by one service. But uh, a guy who's got to be here also. Both, you know, both these guys. I think the other thing too to, to note is be, the numbers was the value stock comes up when these guys can be here in January. The stock changes if they're here in May for us because you got a, the window that you the next pool of guys that leads up to that period. So. These guys are high value for us um, in every way, and they can be here early. They're, they're here in spring. These guys get here in winter training. They get here in spring ball. Uh, that's 1,000 reps in spring. If you think back, can you imagine not having Cam Friel in early with the way things unfolded? Yeah, no. Um, right? Oh, no. I mean, I don't even like to think about that. Um, it's awesome. I mean, to think what he did without having played a senior year of football is just crazy, you know? Um, and, and, and it speaks to an evaluation by the staff and a development in that room. And uh, I just, we're humbled, man. That's just a, a really good a really good reason to feel good about the process. You got a quarterback commit. He's a local. He's from Liberty. And I wanted to point out something really important in uh, Jaden Mayava that you, you said, hey, he's got all these tools, right? He's got the size. You listed all the different tools. You can do that again. Yep. But I thought one of the most important things you said was, you don't know, we really don't know until he gets here in terms of the classroom part of it. Right. And that's such a massive part of being a quarterback. 
It is, and, and it's one thing that I think that's a, another thing you miss when you get to get guys in-house. You put them on the board. So when you get a guy, and when I say in-house, you get to visit them either at their house or they come to see you. Yeah, I mean, if you're, not pro- if you're not prodding and probing these guys, I mean height, weight, measurement, mental. Like, it's not walking around showing off, you know, I'm showing off for Tita and I'm showing off the field. But don't think for a minute I'm not in there. We're talking X's and O's and I'm going through film and having you drop the front and coverage and favorite pass route, how your progression is, what your footwork is. Tell me what you're teaching on that. Have you been under center? I mean, we're going through it now. I'm checking the list. And it may sound – it won't be as – there's an art to that because you don't want to sound like you're. You don't want to get a guy, you know, corner thinking he's got to answer all that stuff right away, and he he shies away from it. You got to get it when you can get it and build kind of a an inventory of stuff you can get. And so, um, I know he's got the functional intelligence because because I, I we did that checklist. It's just now you've got to be able to bring it from the classroom out of the field, which we, you know, that's the next stage. That's the next step. And so that's that's the next piece of it. And getting there early helps. To piggyback off that, with the five guys, because that's what I was going to ask you, and, and you touched on that, the value of getting them here early mm-hmm. to start working on them and then being able to be in spring ball and learning the system. Take us through the process once you get them here. Do you some completely strip them of what they've learned? Do you, do, you, do you turn them back into raw talent and build them back up how you want them, especially with an offensive mind? And a kid like Jaden, with the quarterback issues, in a sense, that you've had for – you know, the first two seasons, but really you, you saw a bright spot in Cam and, and, it, and it was actually a surprising, a, a, a pleasant surprise for everybody, but your knowledge of the offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. and as a quarterback, I mean, do you, do you try to break them down and build them back up or do you use the raw talent they have? How, take us through that process uh, now. It's a little bit of both, Willie, because, I mean, you're, you're recruiting to uh, a certain foundation, right? Like you think the guy's got these, tool, these critical skills and these traits, right? And so that's really your framework, right? And then you build off that. If there's some bad habits, it's kind of a, what I call it. It would be the only thing we'd, we'd try to strip of. Sometimes you get bad habits in mature guys or older guys. It's called junior college guys who may have some bad habits. You've got to, get, you've got to figure out if those are breakable. And they may not be just physical. They may be character issues. Like a guy's consistently late. You find out he, he consistently doesn't show up. That's a habit that's going to be hard to break if you're going to need a guy to be of a high value early because you're going to have to just beg the guy to get there on time. Mm-hmm. And that's an issue, especially on a short <laughs> clock. And what I mean by short clock, say a one-for-one one guy. you got a one-for-one one transfer, and you found out he has habit, discipline habits that, that says he's not going to show up to lift weights. That investment's going to be really right. – you're screwed because, dude, I need you now. Right. Um, the quarterback process is obviously the one that's near and dear. That one in itself, you take the critical skills, the traits, and the mental piece you got, and then you start to put it into process, which that process is one that we, we feel pretty good about. Um, and then you find out, you know, the one thing that I think that our staff, being as, as experienced and as educated and as screwed up as many times as we had and had success many times, you find out that uh, – you need to also put them in position to be successful. You can't just throw them to the wolves. There's a confidence in playing guys early that you learn about as a coach, especially at quarterback. You can't just throw them out. We use Cam a lot, but we forget too. Doug was on track to – Doug was really succeeding at a high level before he got hurt. I mean, yeah. we're talking the explosive play percentage was probably highest I've seen since, I mean, Justin's junior year maybe or senior year that we missed. The percentage there was like, oh, man, this, could be, this is going to be pretty special. So – you saw the development both in Doug, then he got hurt, and then it carried over where the sounds looks like the room is part of it. Now it's Cam. And so that piece showed up a little bit um, at some wide receivers, showed up at some tight end sets with some young guys. Uh, and so I think th- th- to answer your question at all is the fact that y- you do have to sometimes strip some things down if they have some more than anything, some bad habits. Outside of that, 
you hope you got what you signed up for and a good foundation where you can just start building because it's hard to strip things back down. It's no different than, than, than build, building a program, rebuild a program. There's going to be shrapnel, you know, and you got to clear the slate before you build it up. On the, on the JUCO front, you expect uh, Weimer and Tompkins to come in. They're from City College of San Francisco and compete right away at their positions of uh, wide receiver and linebacker? Have to. Have to. We need it. It's necessary. That, that's, a, that's an absolute in regards to evaluating the stock value. Like, I need you to get here, and I need you to be ready. I need you to go in the weight room and do our, our fourth quarter training. I need you with 1,000 reps in spring ball, which I know you're going to get. I need you with a summer player, uh, player, player togetherness, and then I need you to fall camp. I know that if we do all those right, you're going to be ready to roll based on what we believe we assessed, and we need it. We need it at wide receiver, and we need it in the heart of the defense, losing Jacoby and, and things like that. And, uh, and so it's an absolute we can't we, – you know, it's what I call you, you can't miss, you know. You, we can't miss. We and I wanted to mention on defense, you guys had some success with Juco's really coming along. You know, former Juco's coming along big time this year. Uh, Malakius was key. You know, he got hurt in the last game. But uh, LEL, Ahimere, is such a tremendous story because he really didn't yeah. have many offers. Uh, now he's turned out to be academic an All-American academic today. All-American. When I talk to him face-to-face, I'm like, this kid is freaking brilliant. He's going to get like nine degrees here. Yeah. Um, so JUCOs are, are a big part of it, and you guys have leaned on some JUCOs. They've contributed. Yeah, we're, I, I came in, I, we weren't scared about JUCOs. You just got to make sure that there's not uh, – and I, as, really, it's not just JUCOs. It's anywhere. It, it, the transfers now are JUCOs and four-year transfers because you can get them at any varying level from anywhere. And so they're, they're all lumped together. It's just – uh, what's their what's the maturity? What's the size and growth potential? You got to maturity wise, physically. Where are they at mentally with the game? Um, do they have the correct habits? And then do you have to do you have to break something that maybe they've gotten and instilled in them somewhere else? And you're like, oh, that's going to be impossible. You know, those habits are going to it's going to take too long for me to break you of this as a wild Mustang and get you in the rodeo the, the right way than it is to for me to go get a high school kid and, and get him ready at the same time. I'm going to go back to where we started a little bit with the academics and the job, you know, after the career. I, I got to mention, really cool story. I know you're aware of it, but, you know, Darren Williams was a holdover player from the Sanchez era to you guys. Yes, and he had, he had a terrible health situation where he had a heart attack, was in a coma for a couple of days. And I look at your graduates, your winter graduates, and I'm like, Darren Williams. Yep. That's, to me, that reps this whole thing. It does. You know, that, that's, that's that, why that's why they're here. Football is cool, but ultimately it's getting a degree and then setting you up for the rest of your life. It is. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the stuff that goes through our Twitter lines that a lot of people miss. When we put out the stuff about academic All-Americans, we put out the stuff where guys are out building beds in Christmas for the for the community. You put out guy, like a story like Darren Williams is out there. You put out Iliel and, and his story or. Uh, or, G- or, or Gio and, and his story, or Julio and his and his awards and things he's done in the community. You know what? Those those aren't clickbait. Those aren't those aren't those. Unfortunately, are, are they fall by the wayside. Those are the stories that stick with coaches. That that's why you do this. I mean, we get kids at home too. Those are those are the stories you're trying to tell them to be like and, and to be and to be and, and to and to and to emulate. Um, those that's it, man. Those are the things that stick to you. You want to shout out anyone who helped you, you know, put this whole thing together? There's a lot of support staff who has to organize this recruiting effort. Oh, man, the list is so big. I mentioned today in the press conference, and there's not enough time in your radio show, number one, I mentioned all the people starting with uh, in our building, that the coaches, the recruiting department with Shelby and Geiska and, and our creative team um, to do all the stuff we do to keep engagement and keep fan in the world we live in. It's important. That's how we attract certain recruits and get to people. Um, 
all the things in town, uh, the Delano, the, 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 the Top Golf, the, the hotels, the, the, the flights from donors and the Magic Ground Offender, the Fertitas, the, the, I mean, the list goes on of people I mentioned um, that, that have helped because it is such a big feat to recruit when if 11 coaches walk out, 10 coaches walk out of that building and they go, go, and you got to get on 10 flights in, in, in 20 cities in five days. You don't do that with just a point person, one guy saying, here you go. It's going to take money. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take people getting them. In, you're going to be a travel agent. You've got to be a coach. You've got to be a mom. you got to be – I mean, you got to do it all. And, and that's why so many people are, are so big on a recruiting visit. They meet. They meet from Saturday to Saturday – Friday to Saturday. But on Saturday is 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. And, and there's, a, there's like a 45-minute break in there. We try to get them to take a nap. But in between there, it's, it's, it's academics, it's nutrition, it's weight room, it's showing the city, it's alumni, it's life after football, it's uh, athletic training, it's, I mean, the, the list of things that you have to put around a family to make, and it's, it's, it should be that way, to make a life decision like that, you can't leave any boxes unchecked if you're going to do it the right way. If you do, you'll miss, and you're going you're gonna to strike out. You're going to lose to somebody who's going to put it together the right way. So it takes so many people. I'm humbled to have such a group and the, and the alumni to help us out in a time where we're doing it probably more aggressively and, than before and progressively, and we're asking for things from the athletic department, Coach Harper, um, and, and everybody. I mean, they're just the way things are getting done, the President Whitfield to be able to push us forward, man, there's just a lot of things and a lot of people that, that there's more than, than I can mention. Um, that make th- make a program go the direction and speed we're trying to go. So next 15 days, you uh, you turn off football coach a little bit with the holidays. It's time to go shopping. We try. Let's go. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> now for, the pressure. Thank on. God for online. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I try for a little bit. We're gonna do some stuff. We got a, 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 sta- a staff group to get together tomorrow just to say thanks and kind of cut us back a little bit and get some air. I'll uh, try to get some sleep a little bit and then. Uh, Really, it's uh, it's on to on to stays on the stay on stay on the road. Like I said, Willie asked earlier, what do you do? You stay on it right now. Now's the time not to back off for us. To catch our breath, recharge, and and hit this baby and keep rolling. One year from now, we'll be talking to Marcus, previewing the bowl game you and will be playing in. Yes, yes, sir. I heard you say bowl season. You know, at the uh, closing press conference. So those are the hopes. I did. I did. I told. I told. That was the last team meeting I had. I said this will be the last time I show you the calendar on when to be back. And it'll show January because it'll be a week break and we back in for bowl prep. All right, Coach. We appreciate all the time. There he is, Marcus Arroyo, UNLV football head coach. Uh, big recruiting class and, and more to come for the uh, late signing period. We'll come back and we'll get to our uh, ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Justin Watkins. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Why? Is Santa Claus cheap like my daddy? No, Santa is dad. What? I don't understand. What's happening? What's the problem? What's the problem? There's no Santa Claus? Uh, okay, you're, you're joking with me, right? You're kidding with me. They know there's not a Santa Claus, right? They do now. Yeah, there you go. That's one of the favorite bites of the Cofield and Company crew. Not me, because I love Santa, and Santa is real. Uh, let's bring in Justin Watkins. I, I don't want to open up this can of worms. Justin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I, I was wondering if you were cherry-picking that lead-in just, just for me. Um, and it was a, a direct shot at me, or if it was coincidental. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. I, it's not like I hate Santa. Right. I just, right. I just hate lying to my kids. I know. That's all. You're, you're a truth teller with the kids. Get them ready. Get them ready, even if they're really <laughs> little. But you're not lying to them, Justin. 
there really is he in their eyes there's a Santa that leaves presents. You're Santa until they realize that <clears throat> you're not. It's not. It's not going to work. You it's don't not going to work. Suit. He had the. He he was already like this. Justin was like this, and then the uh, seed was planted uh, <laughs> further by one Adam Hill. So it's just no, that's, no, no, that no, portion no. of the show is uh, anti-Santa. That's fine. No, 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 no. I, 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 I not to go too deep into it, but I played along. But I always said, I always told my wife, if they ask me directly. There you go. I won't lie, yep. and they asked me directly pretty young. They, they had it all figured out, and they came to me and said, this is what we think is going down. Is this what's happening? And I was like, yep. I just asked my son back. He, I, he asked me, when he finally asked me, I don't remember what age, I asked him back. I said, do you think there is? He says, I think it's you. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> Justin Watkins with us, our ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider. A bunch of interesting stories to get into. Uh, first of all, Ari wanted to ask about the uh, House Committee requesting all evidence. Uh, the alleged interference by Daniel Snyder in the NFL investigation. What, what's actually going to happen here? Is all that stuff from the NFL investigation with the football team going to be public eventually? I think so, either through leaks or through uh, investigations like this. I mean, if you pull this all the way back to sort of the beginning, um, you know, would – I'd be in favor of our elected officials getting involved in something like this. Probably not, but they, you know, contacted the NFL and the NFL uh, apparently welcomed the investigation and indicated that they would fully cooperate. Well, once you do that, uh, you better cooperate. And, you know, with the, the news reports coming out that Snyder was on the back end trying to stop witnesses from cooperating or if they were going to cooperate sort of you know direct their testimony or their stories um well now i think you've invited that further investigation in uh, by the house committee so I, I i don't think they're just going to let it go i think it's meaningful that it's washington's team uh, maybe there wouldn't be so much attention on it if it were say my team the chargers in sleepy san diego um but here we are Justin Watkins. All right. I find this one fascinating because I think there's some unintended uh, consequences that could be coming. Uh, in Florida, uh, Riverboat Ron, uh, Governor DeSantis, has introduced something called the Stop Woke Act. Uh, it involves critical race theory. But the thing that's intriguing here, because we, we've heard this stuff before, uh, DeSantis said it violates Florida standards to scapegoat someone based on the race. To say that they are inherently racist is to say they are an oppressor or oppressed and um, Part of this also includes the, the opportunity for people to sue schools, maybe teachers. Uh, this could also extend to protecting employees of corporations. Could this, could this really happen where all of a sudden we have a flood of lawsuits all over the state of Florida? I mean, it could happen if this gets passed and this gets signed in its current form. Uh, it would – I, I like what your question is or, or, or your lead-in about unintended consequences – the the school districts and the school boards for the most part in most states and most jurisdictions are self-policing uh they have elected school boards but those school boards will oversee um you know the conduct of all all of the employees all the district employees all the teachers and ensure that the rules that they set out are followed uh and then that's where you know sort of the policing of that ends when you introduce any sort of legislation that says we are going to empower the public or any.
other agency to police something that is otherwise self-policing, it's forever not self-policing. Right. And, and, and I, it, so the example I can give here is, you know, the state bar of Nevada polices attorneys. There's no private right to action for somebody if they break a state bar rule. Now, there's malpractice actions, but that's that's totally different. If I break a rule set by the state bar of Nevada, you can't sue me and say, rule breaker. Um, the state bar's job is to do that. Now, if the state bar went and said, go ahead and, and create a law that allows private citizens to regulate attorneys, well, the state bar stops being effective as an organization and and you are you have now given up the right to self-police pretty much forever. Um, the, the, whatever the next big thing is going to be will also be outsourced to the public. Um, so I always think it's a dangerous road to go down. Uh, that's why I'm like never an advocate of, of organizations like the State Bar of Nevada codifying any of their rules in the statute that allows somebody else to police the, our organization. And I think the same thing could happen here with the teachers. Yeah, I just wonder what it means for teachers. You know, uh, my uh, history curriculum, I'm teaching about the civil rights movement. Some teacher gets mad. Now I'm getting sued. I mean, I, I would think the unintended consequences are for a lot of teachers. Like, you know what? Florida's just not worth the time. And I, I think the other thing is uh, the line in here that's really interesting about protecting employees of corporations against a hostile work environment due to critical race theory training um, wouldn't. Wouldn't that just fall under sensitivity training? I mean, if I walked around as a, especially as a white male at Lotus Broadcasting, and I'm just dropping, you know, racial slurs and harassing women and making comments, and then they send me to sensitivity training, I'm like, can't do that, can't do that, woke act. And I know that doesn't exist in Nevada, but would that, like, could we extend it that far where workplaces are like, holy crap, we can't do sensitivity training for some jackass who's walking around the building harassing everyone? Yeah. So I mean. Let's be clear. A lot of times politicians will put in the headlines something that's not in the bill right. or put forward bills that they know to be unenforceable because it makes for a good political statement. Uh, the bill, if it's going to be enforceable and constitutional, will have to be very specific as to what critical race theory means. I've seen the bill passed in North Dakota on this, and it is very specific. Mm. It talks about... Um, and, but it's only talking about curriculum. And the curriculum, they say, is um, the idea that uh, institutional racism uh, affected the formation of governments and, and, and the like moving forward. And I'm, give, I'm giving a synopsis. But it, it was very specific. It was a paragraph-long uh, definition of what they thought critical race theory to be. Now, I don't agree with that but i'm going to tell you you know you guys obviously know i was an elected democrat i don't totally agree with the democrats position either which is that that the government and parents shouldn't have any say in what's taught in schools i think that's a dangerous road to go down i think there's there's an obvious balance there which is there should be parent input there should be elected official input into what's taught in our schools because our taxpayers pay for it there shouldn't be any sort of um, uh, unchecked indoctrinations. There needs to be checks and balances between the truth, the system, education, parents, elected officials, and and the like. And so, uh, I do think there's a place in the conversation for politics and parents in school and curriculum. Um, but I think what we're seeing here is, in my mind, clearly overstepping those bounds.
How about the Knights right now? Good start to the road trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're looking great. Uh, you know, I think I think uh, I was talking with Willie last week or two weeks ago, and I said that I thought Carlson was a more important piece when healthy to the lineup than Stone. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's coincidental. I know Chandler Stevenson's on fire. I know Patrick's on fire, and I know that first line's played lights out. But um, I don't think it's coincidental that when Carlson comes back and that line can now be take out the the first line defensively of the other team, uh, and our first line gets to match up against a, a you know a less defensive line and and really open up some some scoring options that things have really kicked into gear. Um, I think a lot of the night fans around town are, are feeling pretty good about, you know, our position in the playoffs. And now this, the topic of conversation seems to be both nationally. I listened to NHL radio today and locally, where does Eichel fit in? You know, Stevenson still going to produce like this and he has such good chemistry with those two. What, what are we going to do with Eichel when, when healthy? Mm-hmm. Fantasy football. You going to do anything in these playoffs? You got a good team. Oh. Oh, you're eight, yeah. You're eight, you're eight and six. You got Herbert. You got Aaron Jones, Justin Jefferson, Kittle. What's going to oh, happen? Don't be, don't be fooled by that eight and six. I was the second leading scorer in the league, I think. Mm-hmm. So I got, I, I got a team. I got a team that could do some damage. And, uh, you know, I got Adam Hill this week. So I'm. Oh, I'm that's good. In round one of the playoffs. Oh, man. Hill. I definitely would have rooted against you, but uh, I didn't know you were matched up against Adam. All right. This is picking between two <laughs> evils of fantasy football. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, five seven zero nine thousand is the number. Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Justin. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll check in with you next week. Thank you so much. Sounds great, guys. Have there a he one. is, Justin Watkins. Coming up next, hockey talk with Brian Blessing. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers seven zero two five seven zero nine thousand with your questions today.